Welcome on into the Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Matt Lowell, Managing Editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine. Alongside Guy Cipriano, this is not Tartan Talks. This is a brand new podcast we have going every single month called Greens with Envy. Guy and I are going to get together on the days when we're actually both in the office, which is not many, and talk about the courses we've seen and sometimes played, in my case, played poorly, over the course of the last month. Guy, you're here for 24 hours. What's going on? <laughs> it's great to be back, and I'm very excited about starting this podcast. Uh, Matt, you've been a tremendous addition to our golf course industry team, and we've got you uh, caught up on all levels of our publication, and obviously you've just showed to all of our listeners and followers that you have a radio voice, so this is going to be a lot of fun, and look forward to chatting with you. Uh, Matt and I chat all the time, but this is the first time we've done this on a podcast format. So we're going to have some fun with this and we're going to have fun uh, with all the things we do. And you say I have a voice for radio. You're kind. I also have a face for radio. So uh, that makes two of us. Well, so unlike our normal setting where we have superintendents or course architects or other folks around the industry call in and we talk with them for an extended conversation. We're just going to go back and forth. And you guy are the one who just came home from some courses in a different time zone. Tell me, where were you? How much time did you spend out there? What courses did you see? And if you want to brag, how did you play? I didn't want to come back. So I was in Colorado, and if anyone that's been to Colorado knows that that is a pretty awesome place if you're an active person that likes to get outside and do things. Have you have you been there first off, Matt? I have been there, and based on your description, an active person who likes to go outside, I can't imagine that you would like to be there. Yeah, I, I didn't want to leave, and it's a tremendous place, and we're going to get into the, the golf side of Colorado in this podcast. We're not going to bore everybody with hiking stories or stories of craft breweries or all the other good stuff that's in Colorado. This is We're going to try to keep this purely to, to golf, and it, it was a blast, and it's one of those uh, underrated golf states in, in a lot of ways. So you got in, what was it, last Tuesday, last Wednesday? Uh, last Tuesday. I, I was there for the Golf Course Builders Association of America meeting, which is always a uh, highlight of our summer schedule, and it was the sixth one of those I've been to, and it was back in Colorado Springs where it was in 2015. So, yeah, we got in at 10.30 a.m. last Tuesday. And you hit the course how soon? 30 minutes, 60 minutes after landing? I was on ground at Castle Pines Golf Club at noon. So I flew into <laughs> Colorado Springs, not Denver, which was a smart decision. Denver is a uh, logistical uh, nightmare of an airport sometimes. So, yeah, I flew into Colorado Springs and drove right up towards Denver on I-25 and stopped at Castle Rock to see Castle Pines Golf Club, which is a place that I've always wanted to see since I started following golf in the mid-1990s. So, you know, got the rental car. I stopped at a 7-Eleven and got a Mountain Dew and Snickers to get me through uh, what was going to be a hectic day. I know that's not necessarily the lunch at Champions, but I just needed something to give me a kick because I knew it would be a while before I ate again or even got fluids in me again. And yeah, it was a, it was a scenic drive up I-25 and I was just kind of like shaking with excitement because I knew what the, the day had in store. So you have your natural energy drink in a Mountain Dew. You have your natural energy bar in a Snickers, which if you have to eat a candy bar, folks, Snickers, it is the best, most nutritious candy bar you can get. We are not getting paid by bars. 
Um, and it's so unlike us to eat like that. If if anybody knows us or is at the golf what? course industry office, we are pretty health conscious. But like I said, I, I woke up at 2.30 a.m. Northeast Ohio time, got a workout in, and had to catch a 6 a.m. flight. So I knew that um, getting food in me would be a bit of a, a challenge on this hectic day. But, yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we did eat a, a pretty awesome breakfast at the D- Denver airport. It was uh, eggs with beef brisket. So that was a okay. pretty, pretty filling thing. But I knew that when I hit the ground in Colorado Springs that I, I had a visit Castle Pines Golf Club and then Denver Country Club, then had to be back in Colorado Springs for a reception for the, the Golf Course Builders Association of America meeting. I knew that I needed something to, to give me energy. So we went with the Snickers, and I believe it was an Orange Mountain Dew. So, because the Slurpee machine wasn't working. Coca-Cola Slurpee. So 90 minutes from touchdown to being on the course, and you've talked about Castle Pines a lot in the office. You've not talked about Castle Pines at all in front of a microphone. And I'm sure a lot of folks listening in are aware of Castle Pines and its place in golf history. It's a special place. It's a really cool, special course. Yeah, it really is a modern marvel. So it opened in 1981. Uh, a visionary named Fred Vickers, who's one of the uh, kind of iconic now golf developers. In fact, he received the PGA Tours Distinguished uh, Service Award a few years ago. Uh, was the, the person that kind of was the the uh, sparked the whole idea of Castle Pines Golf Club, and he wanted to make it somewhere different and somewhere special. And unfortunately, passed away last year. But his imprint is still all over that golf course. It's all over the world of golf. In fact, uh, all the founding members of Castle Pines Golf Club have uh, bronze bust right along the uh, the practice area, which is really cool. And uh, Vickers is the first one in that line. And uh, Another person who was heavily involved in the development of that golf course, uh, all of our listeners have heard of, is Jack Nicklaus. He was this designer of Castle Pines Golf Club. It was really uh, one of his first uh, big design projects. It was in 1981, and he was really less than a decade into being a golf course designer at that point. And they picked a uh, wonderful piece of property south of Denver to develop a golf course on. And it's really been majestic since the start. A lot of people are probably familiar with it because it hosted the PGA Tours International for 20 years, which is one of the most unique golf tournaments in golf. I mean, it's, it was played in this just unbelievable mountain setting. It used a stable forward scoring system, so birdies were encouraged there. You know, that was the only tournament on the tour that was really, at that time, played at altitude. So guys were hitting, you know, back then, 300-yard drives in the 1980s were big. Now they're just kind of average on the PGA Tour. But you it was the, really got the thin air. It's a little easier. Yeah, it was really a unique event. And when I got into golf in the mid-1990s, I remember, I think it was my – Mother bought me a uh, golf courses of the PGA Tour book, and I studied that book extensively. And Castle Pines Golf Club was in there, and I just kind of always watched the tournament, and I would stare at pictures. And then when I got involved at, here at Golf Course Industry, when I got hired in May of 2014, I kind of made a mythical list of 10 courses I'd most like to visit in my head. And uh, I'm not going to reveal that list uh publicly but castle pines golf club was on that list so it was all right so there's only nine spots left if you're a hot if you're some dream course for guy out there there's only nine spots left well actually some of those 10 have been crossed off but the 10's always evolving and changing and uh it was pretty awesome i had trouble finding the maintenance entrance because it's one of those gated communities but uh superintendent doug brooks who uh immediately uh uh, accommodated my request when I approached him a week earlier about setting up a visit. He was all for having me there, which was great when you know that the 
the person is well aware of your visit. And, you know, we did, we never just v- randomly visit golf courses and look for the superintendent. We always set these things up well ahead of time. You know, is that how you get such good access? Uh, I don't know. It's I guess it's through connections and knowing I, people. I or, usually just drive up and then they kick me out. Well, you know, public courses, we might drive up and pl- pay our 50 bucks or 30 <laughs> bucks and play it. But, you know, private clubs, we're just never, ever stopping by randomly. And that's probably a lot of uh, that's probably a good tip for anybody in the business. You know, when you are going to these places, especially for your job in a professional setting, always make sure that you, you call somebody in advance and set up the just don't pop pop in and sh- you know, visit people. It's kind of, to me, you know, I know that bothers a lot of superintendents and that bothers me that other people in the industry would just kind of try to just randomly visit people that maybe that, that they did not set something up with beforehand, especially at a private golf course. But yet I finally found the maintenance facility after calling Doug and he, he made me feel good. He said that happens to a lot of people. I mean, a lot of these maintenance facilities is everybody in the business knows are nowhere near the main entrance, especially at a big sprawling private golf course like castle pines golf club but then you walked into the maintenance building and it might have been the most professional looking maintenance offices i've ever seen it looked like uh like a doctor's or a dentist office except much happier because you had pictures of a beautiful golf course on the wall instead of uh some aquarium with fish that don't look healthy or some you know magazines that are, are look like, at like guy with the old. stereotypes anyway two-year-old magazines yeah it was just it was just gleaming professionalism and uh, you know, Doug was there to, to meet me and I got to meet his two assistants, uh, Trevor and, and Patrick, I believe were their names. And it, we had a great conversation. Actually, when I was there, uh, one of my industry friends, uh, Todd Jenkins from Better Billy Bunker happened to be there at the same time too. So we had a little chat in the office and, uh, it was really cool. The first thing, uh, Doug and I did was we looked on the wall of, uh, the pictures, they had pictures of the golf holes, one through 18, how they looked like around the time the course opened. And it was cool to get those visuals in your head before you went out and you saw what the golf course looked like today. So you played Castle Pines or you mostly just... No, we just toured it. We didn't have a out. lot of time. Okay. Uh, no, I, you know, boy, I would, I would, I'd give an arm to play that golf course, but it just didn't <laughs> Well, not fit literally, in. then your drive would be... That's a good point. Your swing would just be it all just off did kilter. Not, it just did not fit into the confines of the day because I had another visit and a reception. And, you know, I, I don't like to... I'm not one of those people that would call up and say, hey, can I play your golf course? You know, if the invitation is extended, we'll, we'll do it if it sure. fits into the confines of the day. But no, we're not we're not in this business to, to beg for golf. We we love to play golf. And when we get an opportunity, if it if we could do it, we're, we're not going to turn it down. But we're not going to beg people to play golf courses, you know, when, when paying members and paying customers are on the golf course. You know, full confession time other than the fact that I'm a terrible golfer because my dad was not much of a golfer and never took golf lessons his 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 clubs were in the the garage for just years on it I don't even think he has his clubs anymore um we went out so seldom that I am it I think I still to the point would like much rather just walk a course I really I would just walk the cart path and maybe just kind of go off here and there. You are a much better player. You enjoy that. I just love slowing down and 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 kind of just seeing the natural beauty. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Like if I had a choice between playing a golf course with maybe some members or some friends or sure. touring the golf course or walking the golf course with the superintendent, I'm taking touring and walking the golf course oh, every with time. the superintendent over even playing the golf course because you know, for our jobs, and even just me as somebody that, that loves golf course maintenance and golf course architecture, you don't really have a more pleasurable experience and you don't learn more on a golf course than going around with the, the people responsible maintaining it every day. It is a complete joy to spend a few hours on the ground 
uh, with somebody that maybe knows arguably more about that golf course than anybody, and you just learn so much that way, and uh, you see the, the passion that they have for the property and the connection that they developed, and uh, you learn about the hows and the why of that particular golf course and that particular microclimate. So I completely get your point, and as much as we love to play the game of golf, uh, uh, honestly, it, to me, it's more enjoyable to spend that time with the superintendent sometimes without the clubs and the scorecard in your hand. So you got to spend how much time? I had about Castle two Pass? hours because okay. I, I had another visit after that. And if anyone knows anything about the Denver area, it is growing really, really fast and traffic can be a problem. So I had to, uh, I had about two hours, maybe a little less than two hours at Castle Pines Golf Club. So that gave us enough time to get through all 18 holes, you know, very, very quickly. We took some photos. We actually went up to the, uh, to the practice range area and saw something interesting. So their clubhouse is really one of the, um, great clubhouse clubhouses of the west well it's being renovated right now so we saw the the clubhouse renovations in progress and they're kind of they're working out of a temporary pro shop and a temporary uh, uh, food stand in fact their temporary food stand is a food truck so you have this exclusive private <laughs> country club and it's got a food truck you know it's the halfway house and it's where people are eating and it's on the practice tee and i've never seen this before on a food truck and I have a picture of it. I just haven't shared it on social media. So the food truck had the uh, had a uh, photo of one of the holes of Castle Pines Golf Club on it. So they kind of did a, uh, what, what do they call them, big stickers or fat heads or whatever. Like a really big fat head. Yeah, they, yeah. they pasted it around the uh, food truck. So it was kind of cool to see that. And then I had a chance to meet the uh, the longtime general manager there general manager there Keith Schneider in fact he was the uh he's been there since 1981 he's been there from the start so I had a chance to meet him and some of the members and what nice people you know Doug introduced me to some of the members that were on the range tee and just everybody could have been more gracious and accommodating and they were asking questions about the magazine and what we do and they were asking questions about you know other courses that I've seen in golf course maintenance so it's cool to see you know members that really have a uh, a passion for the hows and whys on, on on their particular golf course and the hows and whys on a lot of golf courses across the country because a lot of these members at private country clubs get around and get to see a lot of, a lot of places so it was cool to have that, that short conversation before we went off and saw the golf course i'm still fascinated by the idea of a food truck i, I feel like this could work for for the, the P, for, but for like the pga tour i feel like you could have a whole like a row of food trucks yeah we actually uh you see that now at tour events. In fact, the uh, we used to have an event in our backyard, Matt, the WGC Bridgestone Invitational, which now is uh, a Champions Akron, Tour yeah. event. Uh, the PGA Tour event moved to Memphis because of PGA Tour greed. I'll just come out and say that flat out on the podcast. But at, well, the PGA Tour will not be a sponsor of this podcast. But, but at, at ah. you know Firestone was one of the great PGA Tour venues. It's a great Champions Tour venue now. But really, the PGA Tour should be playing at Firestone Country Club every year. When you think of championship big boy high-level tournament golf, you think of Firestone. But my point is, is uh, at the entrance of Firestone, right in the clubhouse parking lot, they had a bunch of food trucks set up, and they were local food trucks, including um, one from Swenson's, which is a popular mm. burger place here in Northeast Ohio. So you're starting to see that at PGA Tour events. And I've actually seen it now at some of the country clubs I've been to. Uh, they'll bring a food truck out on the course, and maybe it'll serve the purpose of a halfway house. And they'll bring different ones in. They'll bring, you know, one week they might have a uh, one that serves tacos. You know, or then they a might halfway have... house on the golf course. Yeah, they're all over the place. Uh, between the ninth and tenth hole, that's where you, you get the food. But now, you know, these food trucks. Oh, are... literally halfway. Yeah, uh, I think we're thinking of two different halfway houses. Yeah, so food trucks <laughs> are. Uh, 
sprouting up at, at you see it at country clubs and they'll have different theme nights where they'll have different types of food and but at Castle Pines Golf Club right now, the food truck is kind of where the members have to get food. And it was cool to see uh, just kind of the, the big image of one of the golf holes on the, the, the food truck at that time. So that kind of exuded club pride right there. So you were at Castle Pines from about 12 to 2, and then you took off. Any more courses on Tuesday? Yes. we So we headed straight to Denver Country Club from there, which is interesting. It's just a packed schedule. Which is interesting because the superintendent at Castle Pines Golf Club, Doug Brooks, was the superintendent previously at Denver Country Club. And when he got the job at Castle Pines, his assistant at Denver Country Club, Ben Getman, became the superintendent at Denver Country Club. So I got to see kind of both people on that, that superintendent tree one after another. And Ben's doing great work at Denver Country Club. And really, you could not have picked two more different courses to visit after landing in Colorado, both incredible golf courses and both uh, places that have completely contrasting layouts and completely contrasting histories with the different eras that they were built. If you have, for some reason, just stumbled into the middle of the episode, I'm Matt Lowell, GCI's managing editor. Guy Cipriano is the voice you're hearing more often, and Guy is recapping his recent trip out to Colorado to a handful of courses out there. We're up to Denver Country Club. Uh, just broke down his couple of hours at Castle Pines. This is the first episode of Greens with Envy. We'll be talking about the courses we travel to and sometimes play each and every month for our work with Golf Course Industry Magazine. So you're at Denver Country Club, Guy. Was this another just quick tour, another couple hours? It was only supposed to be, but then <laughs> it ended up being three and a half, close to four hours because uh, Ben and I are both, and Doug was enthusiastic too, and I felt bad that I had to leave Castle Pines Golf Club so quickly, but I, I did have a, a packed day, and I did pro, uh, I did have a, a, a tour scheduled at Denver Country Club, so I didn't want to be too late for that. Uh, ben and I spent close to four hours together, and like I said, completely contrasting uh, experience the Castle Pines Golf Club. Denver Country Club is actually the oldest private golf course west of the Mississippi. It was the first USGA member club west of the Mississippi. It's got an incredible history, you know, whereas Castle Pines Golf Club also has an incredible history, but Castle Pines Golf Club opened up in 1981, so it's really only a 38-year history, and it's it's got a PGA Tour history, and it's had events come through there, and it obviously has the Fred Vickers and Jack Nicholas connection, but Denver Country Club has been around for well over 100 years, and you talk about history. How about the architects that have worked on, on the site, the current site of Denver Country Club? So the architect lineage is, is James Fallis, Donald Ross, William Flynn, Bill Diddle, Bill Corr, and now Gil Hans is working there. And I think I'm leaving out an architect. Hold on. I think there's one other noted architect that's worked there. But, I mean, think yeah. of all those people working on the same course. I mean, it's kind of like an architectural while you shrine right, look, right there. While you look that up, I just want folks to know, and, and if you've talked with Guy in person or over the phone, maybe you already know this. Guy, I love working with him because this is a walking encyclopedia of all manner of golf history. He rattled off every architect who worked on the current site of Denver Club. From memory, he had no notes in front of him. He has a notebook, which he's now referring to, to find the seventh architect. He just rattled the six off. This is this is who we're dealing with. He is genius level, I think, when it comes to, to this industry. I think I'm missing one, but we'll, we'll find it by the end of the podcast. That's a, that's a <laughs> lot to remember. And I'm kind of still like, you know, it's a few days 
after the trip, I'm still kind of a bit groggy from it. But but the point is, is I mean, whereas Castle Pines Golf Club has really only had Jack Nicholas and his right. associates, Denver Country Club has gone through a tremendous amount of changes over the years. And right now they're involved in a, a, a master plan being led by uh, the, the, the architecture firm of Gil Hans. And really, uh, Gil Hans has been working at Denver Country Club for more than uh, a decade. So before Gil Hans really blew up and started designing a lot of golf courses, he was a... Uh, you know, a renovation and restoration architect, and Denver Country Club was one of the clubs that really uh, spurred him on to bigger things. So he still has a relationship with the club, and they're involved in this master plan. And the master plan, big chunks of it are based on uh, a William Flynn uh, sketches that the club had. And the odd thing is, is if I just rattled off all those architects who've been involved at Denver Country Club, they really never did any of the William Flynn work. So he was there and he made some sketches and made some recommendations, but really none of it has been executed executed until now. Some of the uh, stuff they're doing will definitely have a William Flynn-like like flavor. Kind of building it out of order, so to speak, at least chronological order. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, but yeah, I, I don't even think, uh, I don't even think that the the longest tenured Denver Country Club member completely knows the architectural history there. I mean, there's just so much of it. And, you know, Ben and I were talking about it, and Ben was gracious enough to give me a club history book, and I haven't had a chance to go through it. But there are probably things there that will still be discovered even 20 or 30 years down, down the road. But uh, what, a, what an awesome golf course. Uh, just completely different than Castle Pines. You know, Castle Pines is in suburban Denver. It's up in the mountains. A lot of land to work with. Well, Denver Country Club was, like I said, the oldest uh, country club west of the Mississippi. So it's, you know, within the shadows of downtown. It's in this cool neighborhood that has some city parks and some uh, real old houses. And uh, it's near uh, Denver College. So there are a lot of students around there. And you get to the like the uh, third and fourth holes. And on the fourth green, you can actually look back and see the Denver skyline. So you're really in a uh, developed area, Denver. There's no, the club doesn't have any land to expand, so it's got to make best use of what it has, and it's done a terrific job of doing that. And I, I almost like, I was going around it thinking, and I've been fortunate to visit a lot of golf courses. And you look at some of the work Gil Hans and his team has done there, and you look at the land and the way it flows and the type, you know, just kind of the appearance of the golf course. It really reminds me of a cross between Riviera Country Club and Pacific Palisades, California, and Aronimank in Philadelphia. And Gil Hans worked at Aronimank uh, recently, and Total Turf Golf Services is the contractor uh, involved in the project at Denver Country Club, and they also did the work at Aronimank. And what, what I mean, it's like it kind of reminded me like somewhere in between a Riviera and Aronimank, which is high praise. You don't hear as much about Denver Country Club as you do those two courses because it doesn't it hasn't hosted a pro tournament for decades. It really can't with how far with uh it being landlocked and how far the golf ball goes. You know, you'll never see a PGA tour event there or like a US Open there. You don't but, want four hundred yard drives? But it's yeah, but it's certainly a high quality golf course and uh it's one of those you know, one of the things you realize, Matt, when you travel and visit a lot of these properties is that uh there's so many great golf courses that don't get a lot of attention, whether it's because they're private clubs and they don't want the attention, or there might be a more renowned private club in in the neighborhood or in the zip code or in the region that more people talk to, or, you know, people just don't go out of their way to look at it. But Denver Country Club is truly a uh, one of the, the great classic courses of not only the West, but of the United States. And it's only going to get better with some of the work they're doing. You know, and you, you raise an interesting point, and, and this isn't the purpose of 
the show. I mean, we're 20 minutes into the first episode, but you, you talk about courses that don't get a lot of attention for whatever reason. And I feel like, especially in the case where there is a higher rated, mostly private course nearby, and this is to take nothing away from them, but I think that's just one of the errors or one of the negative aspects of rankings. Yeah, unfortunately, at, at golf course industry, we're not involved in the ranking business. Fortunately, we're, yeah, we're, absolutely. We're I, very, I, I, we're very I would lucky. hate to do that. I can't imagine ranking golf courses, no. right? I mean, they're all no. spectacular. I don't think I've ever been to a golf course that I don't like. Okay, there was one that I played, and I'm not going to mention it by name, <laughs> years ago that, that really <laughs> kind of just didn't get me. For whatever reason, I, I just did not have a good time there. But that's only one over uh, 25 years I've been involved in golf. So they're all awesome places. Uh, to me, they're the, the, the greatest places in the United States. You know, other people might debate that, but I, I don't find any more joy than really being on a, a golf course. So I'm glad we're not in the rankings business because it's like, I could be a food critic either because I, I, I like to eat, right? Like, and I understand how much passion people put into the food that they cook. And it's the same thing with golf courses. Like, you know, you might like one thing, I might like something else. That doesn't mean that what you like is better than what I like or what I like is better than what you like. They're all, they all serve a purpose and they all kind of cater to a different clientele and they all, at the end of the day, make a lot of people happy. And it's also not really fair to the people that work on golf courses too because, you know, there are too many superintendents. Oh, you dropped to 56 this year. What happened? Yeah, there are too many. Uh, dropped eight spots. There are too many superintendents, unfortunately, that are judged on those rankings. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I mean, it's not that they don't take incredible care in grading courses and, and taking the time and making sure there's, I don't even know how many hundreds of, of evaluations per course. It just, it's never seemed like a fair thing to me. It's any ranking too, college football rankings or, or just random rankings of whatever, but that's neither here nor there. Um, wrapping no, up. college football rankings are here and there. The season's starting in less than three weeks, and well, my team's going to beat all your people's team this year. There go Ohio Bobcats. There should be no preseason rankings. Uh, I've always and I used to cover college football like you did, and, and I feel it should be week five at the absolute earliest, maybe week six. There should be no preseason rankings. Absolutely not. Yeah, we'll, we'll go on a rant about this. I know this is a golf show, but especially now at the college football playoff and the college football committee, you don't want anyone's views on teams to be shaped by what somebody thought going into the season. Mm -hmm. Really now in the playoff era, it has to be about the here, here and now. Yeah, you got to go tabula rasa, blank slate, week six at the earliest, at the earliest. And you'll probably get the same four teams anyway. Um, I'm not going to Although I'm really by. pissed about where uh, Sports Illustrated has Auburn rated right now. I didn't even look at the college preview issue. I know there's a Walker Bueller story about the Dodgers pitcher. I have, I got a three-year-old. I, I don't, I'm like months behind in my reading. Um, so anything else from Denver Country Club? I mean, really, we could, we could probably spend two days talking about Denver sure. Country Club. It's just, it's just that fabulous of a. But you packed like 18 courses into four days. How, it, many, how many courses? I was at four. Okay, okay. So we're but, but we so, also had the Golf Course Builders Association of America meeting. So that was in Colorado Springs. So there was a, a reception on Tuesday night, all day education on Wednesday, a great dinner and auction Wednesday night benefiting Sticks for Kids. So we had that was a day and a half of events there. And then the golf outing for that was on Thursday morning, which will bring us to Bear Dance Golf Golf Club, which we'll discuss here later in the podcast. But no, Denver Country Club is just awesome. 
And actually, Cherry Creek runs through the course, and they're doing some uh, restoration work on the stream, too, that's not only going to help the golf course, but help uh, the surrounding community. And that community is, uh, like I said, just an awesome neighborhood in a growing city. Uh, you, you drive around some of the cities of the West, like Denver and Phoenix and San Diego, and they just kind of all look so new and modern. But this is really kind of old school Denver, old school, you know, wealthy Denver. And it was cool to see that neighborhood, especially after being in a, a Castle Rock and at Castle Pines Golf Club, where it's all, you know, homes that were built after 1980. So not only do you see the contrasting styles of the golf courses, you see the contrast contrasting styles of uh of a uh, Rocky Mountain wealth and both were just fabulous and uh you would never want to have to compare the two because they're just well you know they, they contrast each other so much I wouldn't want to have to say which one's better than the other because I really couldn't tell you I'm not in the ratings game and they're just both fabulous places that uh the maintenance is impeccable at both golf courses and let's just say the members that at both places are really really lucky people Okay, guys, so we've unpacked Castle Pines, we've unpacked Denver Country Club, and we're going to be back in just a minute to unpack the third and fourth courses you visited on your Rocky Mountain Guy trip. Oh, see what I did there? Bad pun. But first, a house ad for a product that both of us love, and that's Golf Course Industry Magazine. Of course we love it. We work for the magazine. Why wouldn't we love it? It's packed with the stories that you need every month to just get a little bit of an advantage and a little bit more knowledge in making your course and your club run swimmingly. Also, golfcourseindustry.com, that's our website, and on Twitter, at GCI Magazine. Oh, and we're on Facebook, too. Uh, Guy, you're on Twitter at GCI Magazine. Guy, one of the industry's great, great, great influencers there. And I'm at Matt Lowell, M-A-T-T-L-A-W-E-L-L. I tweet about baseball sometimes, but I try to tweet more about golf. All right, let's get back into Denver and Guy's Colorado trip. Course number three. I hope it wasn't on Tuesday. You didn't do a triple header, did you? No, we had to get back to Colorado Springs for the GCBAA reception, and we barely made it back in time for that because traffic from Denver to Colorado Springs was awful. Uh, Denver is one of the fastest growing metropolitan areas in the United States. In fact, I noticed uh, tremendous more, a tremendous amount of development there this time compared to when I was there in 2015 for the same meeting. So you could really, you know, in that four years, you could just tell with your own eyes and driving around that it, it grew a lot. So, yeah, we didn't visit a golf course again until Thursday when we did two courses. We went to Bear Dance Golf Club for the GCB AA sticks for kids outing. And then after that, we visited our friend Zach uh, Bauer up at Valley Country Club. So we went back to Denver again on on Thursday, despite all the, the traffic and congestion on I-25, because we just can't we just can't say no to another golf course visit. And I was just thinking of the uh, Denver Country Club and its architectural history and two architects that had been involved there, or at least had made visits there that I forgot to mention were A.W. Tillinghast and Ed Say. So uh, I'm not sure that there is a golf course, especially one west of the Mississippi, that had been touched or influenced by so many uh, big names in golf course architectural history. I'm amazed that you got the seventh architect in. You made a point of that. You absolutely wanted to get that one in. Yeah, I just uh, I don't want to make it look like we don't do our homework. It's just uh, I didn't have uh, 
all my notes from that trip in front of me. I had my uh, I had my at the course notes in front of me here in our podcast re- recording studio, but I didn't have my pre visit notes in front of me, and I had all the architects' names <laughs> in those notes. Before we get back to the course, one of the things that you probably saw and that always amazes me driving around Denver. Denver is one of those cities like Phoenix to a degree, especially like Columbus, Ohio, where the borders almost seem malleable and they always seem bigger every time you go. Denver takes, it can take literal hours to drive across. You can drive on the highway for two hours and never leave the city limits of Denver. It's enormous. Yeah, and the other thing is that some of the cities around Denver are becoming enormous too, like mm-hmm. some of like Centennial and Aurora and Little Littleton and Castle Rock. Those places are just growing, growing, and growing. In fact, I'll give you a good uh, uh, Denver story here. So on uh, the Thursday of the trip, we visited our friend Zach Bauer, who I mentioned at Valley Country Club, and I asked uh, <laughs> I asked Zach what what city is the course located in. He said it's actually un- unincorporated where they are. So the, the course was between uh, Centennial, Aurora, and Parker, but it wasn't actually like part of one of those communities. So how many unincorporated places do you visit in this day and age? And how many unincorporated places do you visit uh, within the shadows of a sprawling major city like Denver? So I thought that was pretty amusing when uh, you find out that the golf course you're touring isn't really part of a municipality. They do exist, but they're usually a little more remote. When you're out on the highway somewhere in, I don't know, West Texas, and this is not a knock on West Texas. I've driven across Texas three times and run out of gas once. Yeah, I've never been to West Texas. Uh, We need a a reason to go there for golf course industry. So if anybody wants to have us come out to West Texas to to tell a killer story, and if any of our partners want to sponsor us going to West Texas to to tell a killer story, we're, we're all for that. Midland, big oil town, home of the Rock Hounds. So course number three, did you finally get your own sticks out? Yes, we did, because this was for the, the, one of the uh, awesome events of the year. It's the, so the G, GCBAA has a foundation, and that foundation has a program called Sticks for Kids, which is kind of exactly what it, like, what it sounds like. It, all the proceeds benefit youth golf programs and getting golf clubs in the hands of people that maybe wouldn't otherwise get golf clubs in their hands without the support. And actually... The Wednesday night of the meeting, they have a big auction, um, four sticks for kids. Uh, Dennis Wagner of Hunter Industries is the MC, and he's got, like, the auction voice down. I'm not even going to try to emulate it because if you don't have an auction voice or an auction presentation, you just sound like a fool. But Dennis knows how to MC an auction, and that auction actually uh, raised uh, 90000 for sticks for kids. And then the golf Fantastic. outing the next day was at a place called Bear Dance Golf Club, which is a little bit um, – pretty much between Denver and Colorado Springs. So it was about 45 minutes north of where we were staying in Colorado Springs and just south of some of the courses that we were talking about in Denver. It was in a place called Larkspur. And it opened in the early 2000s. And boy, what a peaceful, serene property. It was a golf course where you're on it. Um, The hole you're on is the only hole that you saw. So you didn't have any parallel holes. You couldn't see anything else on the golf course besides that hole you were playing. So that was really, really peaceful. Uh, the golf course was actually uh, designed by a collection of Colorado PGA members. Uh, the Colorado PGA's headquarters is at Bear Dance. So I, I don't know if I've ever been to a golf course that was designed, it really doesn't have an architect's name on it. It was just kind of d- designed by a c- conglomeration of PGA professionals. And the superintendent, uh, Dave 
Callahan is kind of a uh, he's been, he's a fixture in Rocky, the Rocky Mountain turf community. He's a past president of the Rocky Mountain uh, GCSA, and his brothers are superintendents, and his father was a superintendent in the Rocky Mountains. I, I didn't have a chance to meet him be, because of the timing of the outing, and I had to be somewhere after the outing for another visit. But his team does fabulous work. Uh, Bear Dance was a great golf course to have the outing on a public golf course uh, a lot of elevation changes some views of pikes peak and the and the other mountains in the front range and uh, a very challenging golf course too and we had a lot of fun actually uh on my team was uh, i rode in the cart with uh, rafael barajas the president of the gcsa so mm-hmm. it was kind of cool to play with uh, the president of the national association and Raphael really loves the game of golf you know i, I kind of knew him just casually through seeing him at events over the years so it was great to spend four and a half hours in a cart with him and learn what he's all about he's an incredible story and uh the guy just loves golf and uh, it's cool to play with a superintendent who makes time to play a lot of superintendents like the game but they don't necessarily have the time to play because of family commitments or work commitments or because they have interest outside of golf but Raphael is one of those guys when he's not at the golf course working he's he's playing or working on his game so it was cool to play with someone that maybe is as equally excited about golf as I am and also on our team was uh, Pat Karnick the uh, president of the Golf Course Builders Association of America. So you had two industry association presidents on your team. So you had to be on your your, your best behavior. I couldn't be acting like Pat Perez or Patrick Reed or Bryson DeChambeau. John Daly. Or one of those hotheads. So, no, I, I'm honestly a pretty mellow golfer. But we had a blast, and it was kind of cool because we teed off on the – the first hole, how often in a scramble do you actually get placed on hole number one? So we got to well, see. Well, I think that maybe was because of who else was in your force. I don't know. what. Perhaps. Maybe it was just coincidence, a random maybe. draw. But how often in, in a scramble do you get to see the holes one through 18, kind of how they were intended to be played? And obviously a scramble. But if you had to say your score, if based on how you played, how you thought you played, because you're a pretty good golfer. Yeah, our team was five under, but nobody really – uh, cares about how I'm hitting the ball or how my partners are hitting the ball. This is about the courses and the superintendents and the architects and the cool things we're seeing. <laughs> you know, there's nothing more annoying than someone that's not on the PGA Tour going shot by shot through their round of golf. I, I, I give the, the PGA professionals and the club pros a lot of credit because, you know, part of their job is just putting up with that. Can you imagine uh, every day you're like, you're, you're working in the pro shop, you're you're getting ready to give lessons. You're you're managing the operation side of the golf course, and you have uh, Mrs. Pennypacker coming in, or 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 Mr. Smith, and they're telling you how they hit every shot in the round, like they're Tiger at Augusta or, or Patrick Reed at Liberty National. Like nobody wants to hear that. So I give uh, people that can tolerate that talk a lot a lot of credit. Well, to be fair, it is a little easier to remember your round when you take 97 seconds to putt. I think you know who I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you. No, I take about 9.7 seconds to Yeah, play. no, we're talking about Bryson. Yeah, that, that's ridiculous, and we can go on a rant here about slow play, and I'm sure we will in one of these podcasts, but I think for the sake of clarity and time, let's stick to the Colorado right now. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely be doing a pace of play podcast. Little asides, little asides. All right, so you take 9.7 seconds to put out. I know you've, you've, you've played rounds of golf in like two hours. You're, you're pretty quick. Um. I couldn't. I could not have gotten around Bear Dance Golf Club in two hours because, you know, that's one of the things with these mountain courses, especially ones that have homes around them. They're just such vast pieces of property, and some of the distances between holes, you know, might be a quarter mile or, or uh, six hundred meters. So that that makes it a little bit tougher to walk, and it makes it even tougher to play quick when you're in a golf cart. 
I thought you were going to say something about being a flatlander and not having the the lung capacity. You know, you, you do feel it. For anyone that hasn't been to Colorado or at, at an elevation that's over a mile, you do feel it. Like, you think you're in good shape. You think you're doing the right things. And then you're just on the golf course walking uh, from your cart to the ball. And it's like you just uh, you just ra- raced Usain Bolt in the 200-meter dash in, in an international track and field competition. It really does get to you. And it makes the game more interesting, too. You know, if you hit the ball well – the elevation does increase the distance. You know, if you have a certain swing speed, from what I've been told, it can get add 8 to 12% to how far your shots are going, and you have to take that into consideration. So uh, the golf courses in a place like Colorado, yardage-wise, they're, they're a little bit longer than rest of other parts of the country, but you have to take into consideration the elevation. In fact, one thing I didn't mention when we were talking about Castle Pines Golf Club is that they're thinking of, or they're doing some changes there. You know, a, a high level club like that, they're always doing something to the golf course every winter. They're always trying to make it better. Uh, they're never completely satisfied with where it's at. And uh, Castle Pines Golf Club, which has hosted the PGA Tour before, and who knows, you know, if the PGA Tour decides to go to the Rocky Mountains uh, again at some point, you know, Castle Pines Golf Club would be a prime candidate to host an event and they're doing some work now and adding some tees which will stretch the uh, yardage over 8,000 yards before everyone panics and says that 8,000 yards are not good for golf you have to remember that 8,000 yards at elevation is a little different than 8,000 yards somewhere flat right you're not playing in Florida or Louisiana or Houston anywhere near the Gulf or or the Atlantic that's zero or or 12 feet above sea level uh, so a great event, Sticks for Kids. Anything else from that morning? No, it was a perfect morning. I mean, uh, it didn't rain. It, it was only like, you know, Denver gets pretty hot, but the humidity isn't that great. I mean, it was like one of those days, like a lot of these rounds and scrambles when you're enjoying your playing partners and enjoying the scenery, you kind of just don't want it to end. But unfortunately, it has to end. It was just a, It was just a perfect Rocky Mountain morning. And your last course of the trip. Valley Country Club, which I said is, I don't know where it is because it's in an unincorporated (laughs) spot in suburban Denver. But this visit was kind of random. It kind of spurred uh, on Tuesday. I started posting some pictures on Twitter of Castle Pines Golf Club and uh, Denver Country Club and Zach Bauer, the superintendent of Valley Country Club, who I've known for a few years and who I would consider a friend of mine. Uh, sent me a, a message on Twitter saying, what, no visit? So I said, well, guess what, Zach? I have a little gap in my schedule on, on Thursday before I pl- come home. If you're willing to have me, I'd love to come up. Uh, you're a friend of mine. You're a friend of the industry. You've done a lot for a lot of people. I'd love to come up and see your team's great work. Well, it turns out it was his member guest week. So, And the member guest started on Thursday, but Zach was still gracious enough to have me. And we had a great time chatting in his office about – about the club and about his career. And then, you know, despite member guest play going on, there were obviously golfers all over the course. They're working split shifts before the second maintenance shift. Uh, that Thursday evening, we got to go out and see the golf course. And what what, what a great golf course. It, it, it was designed by uh, Billy Bell Jr., but Billy Bell Sr. did the routing, and Billy Bell Sr. passed away, and his son took it over. And it kind of reminded me of a Billy Bell course in California, just with the bunkering and the way the land flowed, and a little bit different than some of the mountain golf courses that we were talking about, but a fabulous uh, course. And Zach and his team are doing great work, and they have some um, plans. Uh, The club's in really good shape financially, and 
you know, pretty much any well-run golf course in a growing city like Denver, you know, private or public is going to be doing well because uh, the population's increasing and the number of golf courses aren't going up. So if you're in a growing area like that and you have a decent product, you're going to be in pretty good financial shape and the club's reinvesting its money in capital improvements. And it was great to see um, Zach, who was a longtime course superintendent at the Broadmoor working under Fred Dickman. And this is his first job where really he's the 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 head person although uh, fred trusted zach to make a lot of the course decisions at the broadmoor this is uh, zach's first head job and he's doing terrific work and he's been there for a year just had a kid a few few months ago remember remember guest is going on and he's still gracious enough to have us out and uh, it was it was awesome to, to see him and you know, spend some time chatting and seeing, seeing the work of his team. And I'm sure next time I get to Denver, I'll be back to see Zach again. I love that he just reaches out to you in your DMs on Twitter. No, this wasn't even DMs. He actually called me out in front of On everyone. Twitter? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, he said, what? He didn't even DM you. Yeah, he said, what? No visit. And, of course, you know, wow. we, we DM'd and we set that up. And, you know, I, I love that. And that's one of the uh, the cool things is, like, when you, you visit an area and you start posting pictures, you do get superintendents either DMing you or just responding to you where everyone can see it saying, hey, you know, how long are you going to be here? Can you make it over to my <laughs> course? And it's great to see that, you know, people are so proud of their work that they want to show it to to an outsider. And, uh, you know, we wish that we had more time everywhere we went. But unfortunately, um, well, especially you, Matt, you got a wife and a kid. But, you know, believe it or not, like sometimes we have obligations that we have to get to here at home. And, you know, we're lucky because we yep. have significant resources to go out and see things. And we have a publisher, uh, Dave Zai, who's totally supportive in us going out and seeing people on the ground because he realizes how that benefits the magazine and how it helps uh, us do our jobs better. But uh, it, it's great to see that people um, maybe see something that you post on social media. And that's one of the beauty of social media is that sometimes you do have um, unexpected visits or unexpected opportunities come about because of a picture you shared. And, uh, yeah, for if golf course industry is visiting your city or region, you know, don't take it personally if we don't make it to your course. Uh, sometimes our time is limited and we can only do so much, although we try to do as much as we can. I think maybe total I slept like I was in Denver for like or in Colorado for 78 hours and maybe 14 of those were sleep. So there was a lot going on and we wouldn't want it any other way. I mean, that's the reason we travel. We get out and see people and we, we had a lot of great meetings at the, at the builders meeting too. We got to see a lot of, of our industry friends and had a great one-on-one conversation. So uh, we, we love the enthusiasm and, you know, continue reaching out to us when we're on the road and we'll do the best we can to, to, to see your great work. And uh, hopefully it's uh, sooner before later that we get back to Colorado because that's a spectacular place. And if our bosses here at GIE Media ever came to us and said, hey, we're relocating golf course industry to, to Denver or Colorado Springs or Castle Rock, uh, you wouldn't see a tear here from the editor of golf course industry if that happened. I mean, I would have to give up my Indians quarter season tickets but okay oh it'd be yeah i mean i'm just it's a hypothetical here but i guess no, if you ever get a, if, games. if you ever get a chance to go to oh and i forgot to mention so after visiting valley country club i had dinner uh in castle rock with uh mitch savage who mitch uh contributed to one of our turf heads takeover issues and i met him yep. i met him at the green start academy i believe in 2015 and we've maintained some contact since then and mitch is actually in his first head superintendent job he's at at Broken Tea 
uh, golf course, which is uh, a city-owned course by the city of Inglewood, I believe, and he's doing great things there. It just didn't work out. I couldn't make it to the course because uh, you can only make it to so many courses, but we did do, uh, you can eat and, you can eat at dark. You can't see a golf course in the dark, but you can eat dinner at dark. So Mitch and I had a great two-hour conversation, and uh, it was great to see him. So, yeah, we saw a lot of people. I mean, it was a, a hectic trip, but that's what it's all about, and we're looking forward to the, the next adventure, and hopefully some of the things that we picked up in Colorado uh, will help others along the way. I, I, I don't want to give away too much, but I am now working on a story based on a type of maintenance that I observed at Castle Pines Golf Club and Denver Country Club. We're going to be doing a GCI story about this. Uh, thought I was going to do a story about the Colorado drought, but we found that this story is a little more interesting, so stay tuned. Yeah, Guy had in a, a groan-worthy headline, Rocky Mountain Dry. Mm-hmm. Would have been a good story. Uh, it is that time of the episode where Guy mentioned we've got some stuff coming up. We're going to promote the GCI World Tour, the Turf Head Takeover issue, the fourth annual coming up in December. If you are interested in writing for the magazine, do reach out to us either on Twitter at GCI Magazine Guy or at Matt Lowell, M A T T L A W E L L, or at GCI Magazine. You can send us emails or just give us a phone call as well. Guy, I've got a trip coming up the end of the month that I might have a leftover day in the Phoenix area, the week of August 26th, Thursday, August 29th. If you are in the Phoenix area, you'd like me to stop by, might have a little bit of time for that. Guy, do you have anything coming up you might be able to uh, let the folks know? Yeah, we have a lot coming up, but it's coming up into the immediate future. Uh, I'm going to be on a flight here in like less than 16 hours to go to Raleigh for the North Carolina State Field Day, and we're actually going to get a chance to You're see. assuming this podcast is going to post before you leave. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to get too much up. And we're, we're going to Canada, too. But we have some things coming up here in the next few months, but I don't want to give it all away. I mean, we can't give away all our secrets, right? Well, just, like, we love sharing information. Just locations. We, we love the knowledge exchange. But, just locations. Uh, but I think the two that are in the immediate plans are Raleigh and Canada, but they're going to be happening really, really soon and probably maybe before this podcast gets out. Right. This is the first episode of Greens with Envy Guy Cipriano. I'm Matt Lowell. Again, follow him on Twitter at GCI Magazine Guy. I'm at M-A-T-T-L-A-W-E-L-L. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you again with Tartan Talks and some other new podcasts on the Superintendent Radio Network.